Colossians chapter 1 and verse 9. For this cause we also since the day we heard it do not cease to pray for you and to desire that you might be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. That you might walk worthy of the Lord and all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. Strengthen with all might according to his glorious power unto all patience and long suffering with joyfulness, giving thanks unto the Father which hath made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light. The Bible said, Who hath delivered us from the power of darkness and hath translated us into the kingdom of his dear Son, in whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins. You may be seated. You should be reminded tonight that we are studying Paul's supplication in verses 9 through 14. But I thank the Lord for the way he has worked in my heart. I'm very thankful for this pastoral prayer that Paul prays, this intercessory prayer that he prays for the church at Colossae. We know that he had never seen them face to face. Colossians chapter 2 and verse 1 reveals that Paul had not seen their face, but he had also sought God's face on their behalf. Colossians 1.9 reveals that Paul desired for them to be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. So he desired these things in the outline of the prayer. First of all, to be filled. Secondly, in verse 10, to be fruitful. And then thirdly, in verse 11, to be favored with the power of God. And the Bible describes it in verse 11 as his glorious power. And then in verses 12 through 14, which we'll deal with in a message entirely, it is absolutely remarkable what God did for us in Christ at Calvary and also in our soul at the moment that we were converted to the Lord Jesus Christ. And so tonight, if I can, without going back too far, that the Bible lets us know that Paul is praying that they would be filled with the knowledge of his will and all wisdom and spiritual understanding. He desired them to understand about the will of God. Then he desired for them to undertake the will of God and do the will of God in their lives. Now in verse 10, he desires them to be fruitful in their walk for God and with God. And the Bible said in every good work, the scripture said unto all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work, increasing in the knowledge of God. And so the Bible tells us they could gain a more intimate knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. It is wonderful to know that God desired for them to be fruitful. In that text that we're looking at right now, he desired these three things of them in that fruitfulness in Christ. First of all, a worthy walk. He said, I desire that you walk worthy, the scripture said, of the Lord unto all 
pleasing, a worthy walk. And then he desired it. Secondly, he said, a fruitful work. He said, I desire for you to have a walk that is worthy of the Lord Jesus Christ. I, I desire for you to be fruitful in every good work. And then thirdly, he, he allowed them to see they could have the delightful wonder of knowing God better than they had known him before. That they could know him and be increasing in the knowledge of God. I wanted to sing that song tonight. I want to know more. I want to know more about my Jesus. I want to know more about my Lord. I want to know more. And that's why we are here tonight. And so we're dealing, first of all, with walking worthy of the Lord. You say, preacher, none of us are worthy. I realize that. But the Bible said through the power of Christ, you and I are able to walk worthy of the Lord. And that is to follow the will of God by the instruction of the word of God through the influence of the spirit of God. And so the spirit of God tonight is working in our heart to help us to know and to be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. And then the same Holy Spirit is gonna take God's holy book and he's gonna help produce the holy likeness of Christ in you and in I tonight. So what is it to walk worthy of the Lord? Well, it's Christian activity at the highest level. Walking worthy of the Lord is Christian activity at the highest level. What is it, preacher? Well, the term walk is used in the book of Colossians in three different ways. Now I want us to look at them in the experimental realm. Look in Colossians chapter two and verse six. The Bible said in Colossians two, six, as you therefore receive Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk ye in him. And so first of all, the Bible teaches us that if we are in Christ, as we have received Christ, we're to walk in him. Now, how did we receive him? We receive him by the persuasion of the Holy Ghost and the power of the Holy Ghost. How did we receive him? We received him by realizing we had nothing to offer him. How did we receive him? We received him by recognizing that you and I had nothing to give him, but he had everything to give us. And we turned in repentance and faith. And we took him as a bankrupt sinner. And we said, Lord, I'm nothing but your everything. If you'll do something in me and for me and through me, I'll walk with you. He said, all right, as you therefore receive Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk ye in him. So we're to walk in Christ. You see, we'd be nothing without him, but with him, we're more than conquerors. And with him, we have the victory through the Lord Jesus Christ. And then secondly, the Bible said here in chapter one and verse 10, that you and I are to walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing. That is, we're to render to Christ alive. That is God honoring and that is pleasing to him. Now, how are we able to do that? Without faith, it's impossible to please him. But through faith, you and I can honor God. And through faith, we can live a life that is honoring and pleasing unto the Lord. And so the first one is in Christ. And then the second one is toward Christ. That is, my life should be a credit to the Lord Jesus Christ. My testimony should be a credit to the power of Christ. My 
My testimony should be a credit to the purity of Christ. My walk should be a credit to the holiness of Christ. And so the first one is found in Colossians 2.6. The second one in Colossians 1.10. And then the third one in chapter 4, verse 5. Chapter 4, verse 5. Walk in wisdom toward them that are without, redeeming the time. Without what, preacher? Without Christ. Without grace, walk in wisdom toward them that are without. Now listen, when the sinner man down on the job lets out a long string of curse words, you remember that. And such were some of ye. That person is without. What are they without? They're without the teaching grace of God and the transforming mercy of God. They're without the touch that you receive there at the foot of an old rugged cross. And so you and I that are born again, are to walk in wisdom toward them that are without. And so in the first one, it's in Christ. The second one, it's toward Christ. And the third one, it's for Christ. Now, why should we emblemize and exemplify someone who has a clean life, who has a controlled tongue, who has a pure testimony? It's because we're walking in wisdom toward them that are without. And so you and I are following the Lord in a way that we're walking worthy and we are entirely pleasing him because the Holy Spirit is aiding us in that. Now to walk worthy, what does it mean, preacher? Well, it means to walk suitably to your Christian profession, Adam Clark said, exemplifying its holy doctrines by holy and useful life. It means to walk worthy. To walk worthy means uh, to live a life becoming the name of Christ. I heard about one of those in the royal family over in Europe. And he had been kind of acting a fool. And so one of the higher ranking officials sent word to him. And he said this. Uh, he said, tell that person, mind your manners or change your name. Mind your manners or change your name. And so if you're going to take that worthy name of Christ, then you ought to mind your manners or you ought to change your name. And so to walk worthy means that you're not intentionally neglectful. The Bible said you and I ought not to neglect so great salvation, what God has put on the inside of us, that we ought not to intentionally neglect this great salvation that God has placed inside of us. And so you and I, if we're going to walk worthy, it means to be not intentionally neglectful, not spiritually wasteful. Now, what does that mean? It means we've taken every opportunity God has given us. Sometimes he's given us opportunities and we're neglecting the opportunities that he's given us and we become wasteful with the opportunities. It means we're entirely careful. We're walking circumspectly before the Lord. And so to walk worthy, the first aspect of being fruitful is that walking worthy, a worthy walk. Secondly, a fruitful work in verse 10. Walk worthy of the Lord and all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work. Now, that prayer of Paul on their behalf is in keeping with the desire of Christ. If they were fruitful in God, then the potential that they could be, the Bible said, was fruitful in every good work. That potential was in keeping with the Savior's desire. That is, Jesus said this in chapter 15 of the Gospel of John. He said, herein is my Father glorified 
You want to glorify God? Well, Jesus said, herein is my Father glorified that you bear much fruit, so shall you be my disciples. And Paul is praying that they would be fruitful, not just in one work, but they'd be fruitful in every work in their life for God and for others. And Jesus told us how you and I could do it. It's by abiding in Christ. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, he said, ye shall ask what you will and it shall be done of you. And in that chapter he said, you can bear fruit more fruit and you can bear much fruit through abiding in Christ. Now, how is this worked out in the life? Listen carefully now. They can be fruitful in every good work if they will allow God to help them in holiness before him. In chapter one, verse 22, the scripture said, in the body of his flesh through death to present you holy and unblameable and unreprovable in his sight. If you'll let the Holy Spirit take the Holy Scriptures, he'll take the Holy Scriptures and guide you into a holy life. Oh, I'm thankful you and I can improve and become fruitful in holiness before God. Not only that, you and I can improve in righteousness before men. Chapter three, verse 12. Stay with me now. Put on therefore as the elect of God, holy and beloved, bowels of mercies, kindness, Humbleness of mind, meekness, long-suffering, forbearing one another and forgiving one another. If any man have a quarrel against any of his Christ, forgave you, so also do ye. And above all these things, put on charity, which is the bond of perfectness. We can become fruitful in works, in our works for God, in holiness, in righteousness, in sanctification. And so in these chapters, in chapter three, he talks about put off the old man, Put on the new man. Put off these types of activities. Put on these things before God because you and I need to sanctify ourselves and mortify our deeds and then in works of charity before men. And so God has it all covered. He wants you to be fruitful. He wants you to be fruitful in your prayer life. He wants you to be fruitful in your personal life. He wants you to be fruitful in your family life. He wants you to be fruitful in your secular life. Oh, thank God you and I that are saved can bring glory to God by being a fruitful Christian. So there he is, a worthy walk and a fruitful work. Thirdly, in the text here before us, what I call a delightful wonder. Now, preacher, what do you mean? Well, he said, increasing in the knowledge of God. And I tell you, as I begin to wade out into this passage of scripture, I told Dr. Jones today, I said, we've been in over our head in the book of Colossians. I texted him the verses that we were in. He said, certainly is a rich book in the Bible. I said, it absolutely is a rich book in the Bible. I thank God for Colossians chapter one here. But the wonder is, is that you and I not only came to know him as our savior at the very day we bowed a sinful knee and trusted Christ as our Lord and savior. Oh, but the longer we serve him, the sweeter he should grow. And the longer we learn about him, the more we should love him. And the more and the farther we go on the highway of holiness, you and I will desire to increase in the knowledge of God. Now listen carefully. Our standing in Christ is absolutely complete. Colossians 2 verse 10. 
and you're complete in him, which is the head of all principality and power. Our standing in Christ is complete. However, our spiritual growth will never be complete until we go to heaven. That is, no one came here tonight that does not have a need still to grow. Every one of us still has a need to grow. Paul prayed for them in this way. He said, I'm praying that you'll be increasing in the knowledge of God. Progressing, increasing. I have been in places and I've preached in places where I feared that that old Laodicean spirit had pervaded. That spirit that said, I don't need anything. I especially don't need anything from you. No, I don't need anything. But I want to tell you, if you realize you need to get to know him better, if you realize that you need to draw closer to him, if you realize you got in him and now he's in you, and the Bible said, even in that passage, it said, examine yourself. It said, know you not how that Jesus Christ is in you. Boy, I'm telling you, when we get down to these verses and we begin to see what he's done for us and how wonderfully he's worked, how he's put the devil down, how he's taken us out of his hands, how he's taken us out of his kingdom, how he's placed us in the kingdom of Christ and the family of God, how he's made us an heir of God and a joint heir with Christ. Oh, I say hallelujah. If the devil got to me, I'd have to go through Christ and he'd be a saved devil because he can't find My life is hid with Christ in God. Now listen carefully. The Bible tells us here in this passage of scripture that you and I ought to grow in grace and knowledge because we can increase in the knowledge of God. 1 Thessalonians 4 tells us we can increase more and more. Preacher, what else can I learn? Well, first of all, you got to have a teachable spirit. Secondly, you got to be willing for him to teach you and tutor you. Some lessons come really hard. And one reason they come hard is because we really don't think we need them. Help us here, Lord. And what's really bad is when you have to keep going back and taking the test over and over and over again. But it's a delightful wonder that our hearts can learn and increase in the knowledge of God. He had already been praying for them in verse 9 that they would be filled with the knowledge of his will that they would know God's purpose. The knowledge of his will is God's purpose for your life. But now he goes even further. He prays that they would be increased in the knowledge of God. That is now they would get to know him better and better. That is a lifelong pursuit for every believer. Our desire is to know him and to make him known. That I may know him, the apostle Paul said. Oh, not initially, but intimately. The lifelong pursuit of a Christian is for you and I to get to know him. And there's some times when he's saying, come over here. Come and stay here. Make some time so you can converse with me. Make some time for the book of God. No, when I got into it this morning, 
I got down in there. I said, Lord, I don't want to leave here. I just want to stay here right here with your book. And the more I realized what you'd done for me, the higher and holier you get and the smaller and lower I get, the more needy I realize that I am and the more holy I see that you are. Oh, I say hallelujah that you and I could get acquainted with him in a more intimate way than we ever have before. Now listen carefully. The Bible tells us here not only the desire for them and this fruitfulness to have a worthy walk, a fruitful work, and a delightful wonder. But then not only did he desire for them to be fruitful, and listen to this and you're going to have to pay close attention. He desired for them to be favored with the power of God. Look at the verse with me, the next verse, verse 11. And I'll show you some words that in some ways in our natural way of thinking don't seem to go together in our life. Now, I'm not saying the Bible's wrong. I'm not correcting the Bible. Listen carefully. Listen to me and hear what I'm saying. The Bible says, strengthen with all might according to his glorious power. Now, look at these three words. Unto all patience and long suffering with joyfulness. Now, when you get to the point where you're in such a dilemma or difficulty, when you're having to be patient, when you're having to be long-suffering, are you really joyful? Most people are not. A lot of us say, you're about to get on my last nerve. You better leave me alone. We're not very patient or at that time very long-suffering. One of the reasons why we're not is because we need this glorious power that the Bible talks about. Strengthen with all might according to his glorious power. Now, God has to do something in us. By the way, you're going to have to constantly exercise patience. Constantly exercise long-suffering. And I'll tell you the difference in just a moment. But listen carefully. The Bible calls this power his glorious power. Now, it's so amazing because this is unlike us. We're about ready to say something like, boy, I'm about to knock a knot on your head. Not much power in that. Not much power from God's side. A lot of power from ours. A lot of that's just hot air. Wind power. Help us, Lord. Paul knew they needed the strengthening in the inward man by the power of God. Ephesians 3.16, strengthen with might in the inner man. Now, you say you're always patient. Absolutely not. I'm just as bad as you are. Maybe in some days, really worse. But the Bible tells us here they're strengthened by his glorious power. The Bible calls that power in Ephesians 3.20, the power that worketh in us. So you always yield to it? Nope, neither do you. And I'm not trying to beat you up. I know more about myself than I do you. But when I yield to it, that's when God gives me that power. Now, listen to what I'm talking about. The rigors of living in the will of God, and there will be rigors and hardships. There will be hardships and hardness. You say, preacher, why is it hard? It doesn't make any sense. If I live for God, it ought to be easy. No, because when you live for God, the devil's fighting you every step you take. You ever been out witnessing? I've said this, I don't know how many times here. You ever been out witnessing? About time you sit down and get the conversation started and you get turned towards Calvary and start opening up the Bible. About that time, phone rings and here comes the cat, climbs up the curtain, comes down, jumps across the couch. And the lady says, I don't know what's wrong with that cat. I say, say, he's got the devil in him. That's what he's got. I don't say it out loud, but I say it in my heart. Might get thrown out if you say it out loud. You're going to have difficulty, though, and those are just humorous illustrations. 
if you live in the will of God. You're going to have difficulty, and so you're going to need this power. Now listen and look at what the Bible said. God knew we would need this strengthening power because we don't have native power to help us. That's natural power to help us when things go against our human will. The strengthening power would give them patience and long-suffering. Well, patience is related to circumstances and long-suffering is related to those of our companions around us. And all of us need to exercise it and some of us sometimes also have to have it extended to us. God can enable us to patiently serve him while we're enduring hardships. Now, our circumstances are not always favorable. So when our circumstances are not always favorable, then we need patience. I heard all that stuff about don't pray for patience and all. You need patience. You're going to have to have it. And the only person that can give it to you is God. And if you need it, God's going to give it. Don't worry about tribulation. You're going to get that just living in this world. Tribulation worketh patience. But I'll tell you, it's far better for you to gain it by the inward strengthening of God and get the patience you need to be able to deal with the difficulties you're facing. And that comes by his glorious power that lives on the inside of us. So listen carefully now. Our circumstances are not always favorable. Our companions and acquaintances are not always agreeable. Heard about a fellow and he said him and his wife got married. They had it all figured out. He said, well, when I come home, if I've had a bad day, he said, I'm just going to tip my hat kind of sideways. She said, all right. She said, if you come home and I've had a bad day, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put my apron a certain way. So that worked a little while. And one day he come home and her apron was sideways and his hat was sideways and it was on then. <laughs> so what are you going to need? You're going to need God to give you patience and long-suffering in the will of God. The Lord could give them strength in the midst of their difficulty. By the way, God can give you joy even in troublesome times. Have you ever noticed that? That comes from inward power. Glorious power. You ever come to church with four flat tires? It seemed like the devil did all he could to keep you home, keep you stranded that day, keep you down. And you say, Lord, I'm not letting him do it. By your grace and mercy, I'm going. Hallelujah. I'm going to go to the house of God and I'm going to give God glory and I'm going to, I'm going to get my soul fed. I'm going to worship God. Boy, I'm telling you, God can strengthen you to be joyful in the midst of troublesome times. How does he do it? He does it here by his glorious power. It gives you patience with circumstances you'd rather not endure. He gives you long suffering with people you'd rather not endure either. And everybody that you meet in the world is not going to be nice and kind and helpful. In fact, some of them are going to be unusually difficult. Everywhere you go, there's these people everywhere you go. I call them grouchy people. Met a grouchy person. You know what it takes? A person who's got glorious power that God gives patience and long-suffering with joyfulness. And I'll tell you something really sometimes seems to really get on their nerves is when you look right at them and smile. And say, thank you, ma'am. I appreciate you being so kind to me. Even though they weren't really kind, you just gave them some credit and tried to be a blessing. My wife came out of the post office the other day. She said, I ain't going back in there. That lady's mean. 
I said, okay, I'll go next time. She's nicer than I am. But I said, Lord, you're going to really have to help me. And she was mean. She really was. She's a mean one. And just grouchy, sitting up there behind the counter like, bring them on. And I'm thinking, wow, this lady here got nothing else to do than give people a hard time. And I will say this. You know that joy is possible in the midst of troublesome times. And as peace is not the absence of trouble, joy is not the absence of difficulty. So how is it Habakkuk said, Lord, nothing's going to seem to turn out right. The stall, the flock, the field, yet will I rejoice in the Lord my God. Habakkuk, how did you rise above the circumstances when when your crops failed and your flocks failed and all that? I will rejoice in the Lord my God. I will joy in the God of my salvation. I'll joy. Boy, the devil can't keep anybody down when they're like that. When they get strengthened with glorious power and they begin to move forward in the Lord. And I want to say tonight, God wants to favor every one of us. Paul said, this is what I'm praying for you. This is my prayer, Paul said. I desire you to be filled with the knowledge of his will and all wisdom and spiritual understanding. I desire for you to have a worthy walk, a fruitful work, and a delightful wonder. I desire you to be favored with inward power, inward strength, and imparted strength so that you can have joy in the midst of difficult circumstances and situations. I'm going to ask you this while I close. How was it Paul and Silas in the Philippian jail got stretched out over a rack They got stretched out over a rack so that their hands and feet were stretched out like this across their back. Then they beat them. Then they cast them into the inner prison. Sometime about midnight, the Bible said, Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises to God. I think that's some of that glorious power. Oh, yes. Now, I don't know what they sang. I might have sang, I am so glad God saves old sinners. I'm thrilled and amazed how he sets them free. But the biggest surprise in redeeming old sinners is that he would save an old sinner like me. About that time, the Holy Ghost said, Amen! Shoot the jail open, Amen! How did he get it? How did he get it? How did he get that glorious power? Paul said, I'm praying you'll get that glorious power, that strengthening power. I pray you'll get that strengthening power so that It'll give you patience with your troubled circumstances and long-suffering with your difficult companions. And every one of us need it. Sometimes we're the ones that make somebody else need it. Help us here, Lord. But we need it. I need this glorious power, don't you? I thank the Lord for this prayer. And I hadn't got to the last, last three verses because just too much to handle tonight to get it dealt with fully. But God did some things for you and I in Christ that nobody else could do for us. He said, you ought to be full of thanks. He said, I'm giving thanks for all of this. Now, look down at your Bible. I'll give you a little head start, all right? Look down at your Bible. Colossians 1, 12. 
You can find the key phrases here, right here in the Bible. They are connected with the word us. Verse 12, made us. Verse 13, delivered us. Verse 13, translated us. Then in verse 14, he said, now you have redemption. You have redemption. Now you look, think about it. He said, that's why you ought to be full of thanks. Think about what Christ did for you. You ought to be full of thanks. I got out so deep over in here in these verses this morning early. Man, the tears rolled down my face. I said, Lord, thank you so much. There's no way I could have saved myself. Look at all what you did for me. Look at everything Jesus has done for me. Wow. Stand with our heads bowed tonight.